Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. With who? L3. L3. Okay. Wow. So she got a job. That's good at L3. Different. There's a lot of teachers leaving the profession. A lot. I mean, I mean, we've got. It's it's crazy. Yeah, nurses are leaving too, huh? With the vaccines, yeah, yeah, leaving, leaving the profession. Who else? Right here, Ruth. We got a, yeah. So all the catastrophe in Florida. Yeah. So it was one of the boats that went down in the, in the boat yard. I mean, the boat yards were hit hard. But they had changed policy, so no one was to live aboard. No one got hurt. Mark's brother is in St. Louis. His oil got hit hard. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. That's right. Who else? We thank God for that. Yes. Yes, hope. We got hope has hope. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And that... Uh-huh. So that's the one you wanted too, wasn't it? There you go. God is good. That's right. Well, that's all right. God's seen it. He said it. He said it's good. He said it's good. That's right. <laughs> Who else? Anybody? Answer prayer or a prayer request. Yes. Yes. We need to pray that the Lord will just strengthen. Lily. Yes, her, her, her daughter and grandson have been living in a shelter, and they now have gotten a home. So we're thankful for that. That's good. Tommy. Um, I just ask that God would put in our lives, share in our lives, to continue to stand, even when we don't see the solution. Yeah. Because it, that carrying and weighing, it gets very exhausting sometimes, and it, your faith gets weak, and then you start compromising, and I'm asking God to please show me where I'm, I'm lacking so I don't compromise and try to step out and do it on my own. Right. I want his direction and his purpose. Absolutely. That's a great prayer to pray. Who else? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She needs to. We need to pray against this. Y'all ready to pray? Yeah, Ruth? Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for all the answered prayers. We give you glory, Lord God, because you know, Lord God, that our prayers are not just words 
vacuous words, God, emanating into outer space, God, but they are words of power, God. They are they're requests that go straight from our lips to your ears, Lord God. And I pray, Father, that today, that every need that is mentioned right now, I, I speak against the spirit of cancer in the name of Jesus, Lord. We curse cancer in the name of Jesus, and we ask, Lord God, for a healing of every cell in every body of the family members mentioned, of those who are in our in, in the very room right now, God, we, we rebuke every cancerous malformed cell and outgrowth of abnormality in the name of Jesus, Lord. We just claim, Lord God, your healing power, knowing, God, that we can do nothing of ourselves, but all things are possible to they that believe. And we put our trust and confidence in you, the author and the finisher of our faith, God. And I ask right now that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, God, our heart to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So the other day I had an interesting, you know, prayer time. You know, I pray at my house in the morning and um, I get up. My day generally starts around 4 a.m. I like 4. No one else. Not a crowded space. A lot of people don't like that hour. So you don't find a lot of distractions at 4 a.m. And so I love 4, 4.15 coffee. I start with the word. And then I, I you know, I have my little, my, my process. I go to my office. I study. But my study is not like, you know, I think a lot of people, prayer is such a, a drudge because it's so serious. And like, I, t I, I take prayer much like I spend time with Mike. You know what I mean? We're not always talking. You know what I mean? And we're not always even in the same room. I mean, I can pray and do my laundry. You know what I'm saying? I can pray. I can move around. I can go from my office and go, oh, I'm going to go get a cup of tea. The Lord's okay with that. You know what I mean? I can even check a text message and still be in prayer. So many people are like, oh, you know, you know, and it's like, I mean, who, with that kind of a prayer, a rigidity in their prayer life, who would want to pray? You know, no wonder you call it a discipline. You know, yes. Pray without ceasing. And so that, you know, but then, and then sometimes in this praying without ceasing and moving, and sometimes it's in meditation and where I'm just quietly just focusing on the Lord or I have a scripture or I'm studying, I'm searching, I'm looking. I mean, I'm going here and I'm going there. I'm all over the place in the internet looking at books or, you know, I get in something or I start writing. And man, I may write 10 pages. You know, I might be writing, but other times it may be ironing. It may be, I may listen to a podcast. I mean, this is how it goes. But this day, I began, I was in the kitchen, and I just had a spirit of prayer fall on me. I was praying in tongues. And, man, I was just praying in tongues. It was cool tongues. You know what I mean? They were cool. They weren't like my old tongues. They were new tongues. And they had like, they were like, they had like conversation in them, if you know what I mean. Like I could tell the way I was forming the words. I was like saying things with, with punctuation and stopping and start. I mean, I was like, if you would have heard me and thought, man, she's having a conversation. And like you would tell someone, don't, stop, quit, come here. Or you know how you have the inflections. I mean, it was like that. I was like, cool. And so, I mean, this went on for a long time. I thought, man, that's great. Because, you know, how many know when you pray in tongues, the Spirit's praying? The perfect will of the Father. I thought, man, I just got some good stuff done there. But then I got the interpretation. 
That's even better, isn't it? Yeah, then I'm like, all of a sudden, these first few words start coming to my mouth and my mind. They're just like repetitive. They're like knocking. It's like, that's how they come. It's not like I know everything. I know like the first sentence, and it starts coming like a knocking on the door. You know what I mean? Like it's knocking. It's like the, these words, like the first sentence is in my brain. It's just right there. It's just in my brain. And I can choose right there. I don't have to release it from my mouth. See, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That's something you need to always understand, that I could just shut my mouth and I could quench the spirit and there would be nothing else happen. You know, this is not a possession like I'm like, you know what I mean? <laughs> this, is, I, this is a cooperation. And so I thought, I'm going to, all I've got is the first sentence. I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay, I'm, no one's here in my house. This is where y'all should be practicing your spirit of prophecy is on your coffee machine. You know, don't practice on humans, you know. Just, you know, you might hurt them. Practice on the four walls of your house if you want to practice. And so I thought, I'm just going to say this. I just said it out loud. Well, behind those first few words, there was lots of words. But the knocking came when I opened the door of those first few words. And so, but the gist of it, Mike was like, why didn't you write it down? Well, I wasn't, it wasn't a write down kind of thing. You know, if I'd have had a tape recorder, that'd have been great, but I didn't have that either. But, I, but the Lord did leave me with the understanding in full measure of what he's speaking today. And it's fantastic. How many's curious? Yeah, of course you are. I, the Bible says, and this is the vision I got. The Bible says that in Psalm 133, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like oil. Even the oil on Aaron. Is it Aaron? Yeah, dripping down, flowing from his head to his beard, down the robes of his garment. There the Lord will command his blessing. And that's the picture I got was of, but it wasn't of Aaron, a high priest. But we can infer because Peter says that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Do I have any priests in the house? If you're born again, you're a priest. So you can fit yourself in that Aaron type there. But in, my, in, the, in the tongue interpretation that I had, the, it wasn't Aaron. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. It was the peculiar people is who was being anointed, who is a priest, but peculiar is not oddballs. I think in Greek, it's, I think it might be peripoiesis there, and I think that what it means, it means a treasured possession. Now, if I were to ask, now if my husband was here, he would get this right, but he's not. So I'm going to jump on, I'm going to hope Clint gets it right. Uh-oh, Clint's like, gosh. <laughs> Clint, if I ask you, what is your most treasured possession in the world, what are you going to tell me? That's it. That's the, that is, that's the truth. And so, now, when we are called a treasured possession in the Word of God. What is that referring to? The Bride of Christ. Now, Ephesians says this. Now, I'm going to keep going in just a second. I just want to give you some scriptures. It says that wives ought to submit themselves to their husbands. Everybody said, oh, wow, that. Just kidding. You... Oh, wow, wait. What, we, got the, we got the living example. Yes. Uh-huh. 
Ja. Is what? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. This is a, this, you know, that's how it works best, isn't it? That's right. That's right. That's what, that's what each of you is supposed to, is supposed to take the ownership of toward the other. So that's good. But it also, but it says this is what I wanted to really point out. Well, that's good. Also submit yourselves to one another out of reference for Messiah. Who's supposed to submit to who? Wow. Okay. Wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. So you get to practice your wives. You get to practice your submission to the Lord through practicing submitting to your husband. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is voluntary. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So wives, he's saying, I'm talking to the wives. Husbands, shut up. I don't need your input, right? That's kind of, that's the Andrea version. You're like, yeah, see, Andrea knows the Andrea version. <laughs> so wives, to your own husband as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. As Messiah also is the head of his church. Who's the head of the church? Okay. Himself the savior of the body. Now, I just, I just got this, I don't know, this image. And it was all weaving together. Lift up your heads. Oh, ye gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors that the king of glory may come through. And now I want to read you one more scripture. Just, we're just going to set this up. Matthew 8. And here, Jesus talking. People are following. It's all the hubbub around him. And when Yeshua saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go to the other side of the sea. So why is he going to the other side of the sea? To get away from the crowd. You know, it's just crowds are tiring sometimes. Okay. To go the other side of the sea. Then a Torah scholar came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Yeshua tells him, Foxes have dens and birds have of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then, then it goes on. But now, I don't know that Jesus is talking about the the situation of homelessness here, right? He is. Now, the, as Psalm 24 starts out by saying, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. And then in twice in there, so who owns the earth? The Lord. Now, isn't it interesting, though? Now, there was the reality that Jesus, when he walked on this earth as a man, he didn't, he didn't come from these well-to-do means, and he didn't, he didn't claim his, his place on the earth through brick and mortar, as it were. He didn't build a town and set up a township and build a wall and a government named after him where he had the biggest house in town, right? Where important people would do such things as that. So it's not that he's not saying, he's not, he's not crying about being homeless, nor is he saying that everyone should be homeless. 
That's not what he's talking about at all. He's using this as a teaching point. The Torah scholar is following him, and he's seeing the miracles, and he's listening to him. Now, a Torah scholar, he knew the book. He would likely have been able to quote the five, first five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. If you can quote Numbers, you're going to heaven. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, reading it even. Yeah, exactly. You start getting in the baguettes, and you're like, you know, it's, it's, it gets some boring stuff in there. It's, t- it's testing faith, you know. It's like, come on, God. So anyway, but Jesus, when he comes to him, he says, he says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus just, he's just so boss. You know what I mean? He is. I mean, it's, it's amazing. He turns to him, and just in one sentence, he can leave us with enough scripture to study for eternity and still not get it all out. He says, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, see, on the surface, he's communicating just what it says to the guy. What is, what is the most base communication that he's just given there? The most basic communication. What is it? But what's he telling that guy? I'll follow you wherever you go. He's like, he's like, if you choose to come with me, understand what you might be getting into. We can all see that, right? Yeah, I don't have any place to lay my head. I'll follow you wherever you go. Well, before you decide to follow me, know this. I may not be, get what all you see here in the healing, it may not be all there is. Sometimes that happens to us in the, in the body of Christ. We come into the body of Christ and we plot our expectations here. Right? And our reality comes in here. And what's in between is called that gray area of disillusionment. Because we cannot, and here's the message. Here's the message. Tommy, you asked for prayer this morning. Here's your word on this. If your hope and your faith is in your expectancy. Expect to be disappointed. I'm telling you, this, this drives more people out of the body of Christ than loud music or whatever it may be. This, people come in and they're like, and, and it's because sometimes behind pulpits they receive a message that's not entirely accurate. They receive a message many times, sometimes they hear, not because people are bad, because people want to present a very good picture of the good news, right? And that's good. And it is good. I'm not saying it's not. But sometimes it can come across as serve the Lord and all your dreams will come true. <laughs> that, that personal destiny. Now, see, we have to understand this. Your personal destiny is not his highest priority. If your personal destiny was his, and I'm going to finish this in a second. If your personal destiny was his highest priority, he would be serving you and you not serving him. 
But I tell you this, if his highest priority is you laying down your life and surrendering to his lordship, and when you do that, you find a personal destiny that is more than you could have even imagined. Now, what happens in this is people let the tail wag the dog. They let the cart pull the horse. They build the dam and miss the river. So they get the personal destiny message out front. People come in with this hope of I'm going to have all my dreams come true. And they have not laid self down. They have not actually come into lordship. And then what happens is expectation becomes their source of hope and faith. And when it doesn't happen, the disillusionment of the actuality comes in and they return to there and return to there and return to there. Jesus summed it up in Mark 4 in the parable of the sower. Some seeds fell along the wayside, some some fell and got some quick growth, right? And then others, it went on. I'm telling you, only the seed, the soil... I'll put it this way, only the soil that's fully surrendered to the work of the seed in the time it takes is the one who's going to receive. You have got to make up your mind today, regardless of where you wind up, you serve the Lord, come hell or high water. And I'm telling you, though, that's not, I'm not like, this is going to be hard. This is going to be terrible. You might as well just hunker down because God half hates you. You know, I heard a preacher, this is a true story, just the other day, he said this with his own mouth, maybe three times in a row. Jesus will intercede for you, but God will flat kill you. Whoa. What in the world? I was like, and this is, I mean, this is a person. And I was like, and I wanted to go, shut up. You sound stupid. You see what I'm saying? But the Lord is good. I'm telling you, the way to the life that God has planned for you is through the gate of total surrender. And then that through that gate, you then become what we call ourselves a special treasured possession. Do you know how freaking awesome I am? Oh, no. <laughs> I say that in jest, but kind of not really, you know. I mean, the reality is, is knowing. I mean, I, I absolutely know. I am married, in my opinion, this is my opinion only, to the greatest man on the place of the earth. And now every wife should be able to say that. I am. I'm married to the greatest person on the planet. And I have no doubt, of course, for me, because he's not for you. And <laughs> I'm, and so I have no doubt, no doubt that he would do anything in the world for me. And if I ask him who's the most special person in your life, is you, absolutely. I know this is true. I know this is true. I could exploit it. You see what I'm saying? I know this. Do you think it's wrong for the bride of Christ to know that about the Lord. But we act like it is. And so this is what I saw. The oil. The Lord began to tell me 
that he is setting up his headship in his church once again. Because the birds have nests and the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. His head has been established as he is the head of the church. He is speaking not just on the basis of what he's saying to that man. He is also speaking prophetically with regard to the work that he's about to do. I, I live, this is my creation, but I don't even have a place to put my head. Hint, 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 hint. I'm fixing to finish the work of redemption, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set my head, my headship. And so when Psalm says, lift up your heads... When we as the body of Christ begin to understand that we sit as the bride of Christ under his headship and that oil of anointing, this is what I saw in my spirit and I said it with my own mouth, that oil began to, it wasn't an oil like we anoint people. It wasn't even like if that was oil, this much oil. This was an oil like Elijah's oil that he met at the widow's house. It just didn't stop. It just didn't stop. And this oil began to pour on the head of his bride. Now, he's, Jesus is already the head. He's already, that's why he's, Messiah is called the anointed one. And that oil began to flow. See, the problem is, is we've not had the headship in place in the church. And so when the anointing starts flowing, it's not flowing to the face, the beard, the countenance. And then it flows from the, and what does the oil do when it flows to the countenance? We're talking about women now. Come on, girls. Makes you beautiful. It's shiny, but that's luminescent, right? Shiny. I mean, we have, we have so, how many associate dried up skin with beauty? No, you don't, do you? You you associate dewiness. and I mean, we understand these concepts. So the oil, it flowed down the face, and that oil began to shine. But it didn't, it was so much oil, where did it go next? The robes began to be saturated in oil, down the front and the back. Oil. Then all the way, if you keep pouring oil, where's it going to go? All the robes, all the garments that we wear, saturated with the anoint from our head to our face. A glorious church not having spot nor wrinkle nor any such thing. And this oil began to flow down the robes. And then the, it began to flow. And what does it do? It's going to puddle where? It's going to anoint your feet so that you walk in the path of anointing. And every time that this bride moves, that oil, the swishing of her garments of luminescence begin to emit a fragrance to those that are around. And the Lord told me this fragrance was going to attract some and repel some. It would repel darkness and it would attract light. Now... I was like, wow, I mean, this is the Lord just gave me this. I was like, it was the Spirit of the Lord. I'm prophesying. Well, then yesterday, Mike and I get up early, and we go to do a, a Light for the Lost event. We, got, we had to be there at 8 o'clock, and we did it. And after, and I just had this sense. This was still, this is not just a word. I thought, I thought, 
You know, I felt like Lord Byron. She walks in beauty like the night of cloudless climes and starry skies and all that's best and dark and bright meet in her aspect and her eyes. Thus mellowed to that gaudy light which heaven to gaudy day denies. One shade, the more one rave. Y'all know? No? Lord Byron. Come on, that's Lord Byron. You know, I felt like there was this beauty that the church had has supposed to have, a beauty that walks in the night. A beauty that walks in the night is a beauty that has not been disclosed or revealed, but it's beautiful nonetheless. I believe the church has laid out in a beauty that has been covered up in the robes of religious performance whenever our master, our head, is wanting to pour an oil on our and you know what this is going to be the oil of gladness I hope you know how to be happy in church I mean an oil of gladness for the spirit of heaviness we have lived in a miasmic environment of a fog that has caused the church to be nearsighted I'm telling you, when our head is raised up, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. There is coming an anointing. Now, some of you, you're like, I don't know if I want this. Too bad. No, 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 no. Give, Lord, give me theirs. They don't know what to do with it. That's right. I know you. I'm just trying to tease y'all. I'm trying to spur you to good works. You know, spurring is not comfortable. So... The oil poured on the head, down the countenance. I'm tired of an ugly bride. Who wants an ugly bride? Who wants a bride that doesn't even look like she wants to be married? Who wants a bride that doesn't even want to go to church? Who wants a bride that doesn't glisten with the oil of gladness? I mean, the Lord told me this is going to be attractive. So we go to this meeting. And I'm like, man... I'm feeling 10 foot tall and bulletproof. You know, I'm six foot tall, but I think I'm 10 foot tall. And so here, here we go. We go over there and Mike does his presentation, does great. And a man comes up to him, an older man, cowboy. Mike's not like, you look at Mike, you know, you don't go cowboy. No, you don't. I mean, he's got on wingtip loafers, you know, he's got on skinny jeans. You know, he doesn't say nothing about him says, that's a cowboy. You know, this guy's a cowboy. He walks up to him. He said, i got to talk to you. He said, I feel such a drawing to you. He said, I feel like I am supposed to sit under you and your wife's ministry. He said, I feel drawn to you. He said, like, this is weird. And I'm like, I said, Lord, this is what you told me. That there's an anointing because he's, he's confirming his word. But what did he tell me? What did he tell me? He said, it's going to attract some. Okay, so this is October 1st. It's my daughter-in-law, my new daughter-in-law, Julia, the only daughter-in-law because I only, I only have one son. It's her birthday, so we go to the art museum in Dallas. I love the art museum. So my kids hit, but they have coffee, so it's fine. <laughs> you see him sitting around. I'll always, we'll look through the exhibits. And Jacob has been to the art museum so many times, he'll like, oh, right around this wall is the Monet's. You know, he knows where everything's at, you know, in the art museum. And so... I'll look over and we'll be on, it goes and we start at the fourth level and then we work our way down. And every time on every level, I look over there and I was saying, look, man with cell phone. Wow, it's Mike sitting on a bench. You know? 
<laughs> I will say, excuse me, man with cell phone, come on and pose somewhere else. It's living art, really. And so he comes on with us. But anyway, we leave. The, that's just all for nothing. That's just to make fun of Mike because he's not here. So, so we go out, and we're leaving out of the art museum, right? Just walking. You know, you, it's downtown Dallas. Crosswalk, you're waiting. We're going across the street. I'm walking along. Got my sunglasses on, you know, just tra-la-la-la-la. It's just me and Mike and Jacob and Julia because my other kids have left because our little ones, they're not going to go. The art museum would close down if we went, took our little ones to the art museum. They would be riding the exhibits. So, so it's just us. And we, we walk across the road, and this man is coming toward me. He's just crossing the other side. It's just normal, normal. When he sees me, he makes eye contact with me. Now, remember the word? This is my repulse time. This man, he saw me. See, my robes just swished. When he saw me, he went, ah, and he spit at me. He didn't hit me. Yeah, I'm telling you all, this is a true story. He spit at me. And he, and he went, the crosswalk is out here. And he, he had a backpack on. And he took it off and he chunked it down. He went, ah, you bee. Oh, wow. I went, I went. See what my oil's doing? It didn't even bother me. It did kind of, I thought my thought was, am I supposed to go cast the demon? I mean, he was like, you know, in Dallas, there's cars lined up. He's in the crosswalk. He's chunked his backpack down, and he's like, ah, ah. I was like, you don't like my smell, do you? Uh-huh. So I'm telling you. There is an anointing coming on the bride. It's time for us to lay aside. This is part of what the Lord told me. It's just coming to me now. He said it's time for the church to lay aside her widow's weave. And it is time because her husband is not dead. And that he is setting his headship in his church again. But he's not just going to set his headship. He is going to begin to pour the oil of gladness. It is amazing to me that on our human body, on our head, exist all five of our five senses. Now, touch is the one you may say it's not really there. It's a, but you can feel on every part. Your head is not... If you. I can lay my head to your cheek, your cheek to cheek. We feel. We have feeling. All five, your side is there. I don't see with my feet. Not there. I see with my eyes. It's in my head. I hear with my ears. It's in my head. I smell with my nose. It's in my head. I taste with my mouth. It's in my head. I oh, that's good. I touch. Yeah, have you ever had something on your lips? Man, my lips get sunburned. I'm like, no, I've not had lip injections. It's a sunburn. So we see this. I believe that the anointing is going to begin to flow in the body of Christ. And it's going to set a headship. Now, I'm telling you, this is not, if you're going to be one who gets your feelings hurt easy when a guy calls you a bee, you know what I mean? Now, what would have happened if I would have just like, hey, you want a piece of me? 
have been funny. That's kind of Andrea, too. That's kind of like the Lord was on me for me not to go, what? You know, that's kind of my, my method, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so you, this happens to you, right? This happens to you. And what was so funny about it is the Lord had his hand on the whole situation. We were all bewildered. Mike was there, Jacob, Julia, and we, we were all like, and all the people are around, and everybody's just going, we just keep walking. And I thought, Lord, was I supposed to do something? Was I supposed to engage? It wasn't until this morning I was getting ready. I didn't, I didn't put two and two together. That's how slow I am sometimes. He said, I told you that some, you were going to repel some people. See, you've got to be just as good with the repellent as you are the attraction. Because that's what happens when his headship is set up on you. That when you walk into a place, you walk in a spirit of favor. That's what the anointing does. How many of you want to be so anointed in the things of God that favor is just like attracted, orbiting around you? I'm telling you, though, that won't make everybody happy. That's, and, you know, you say that. You say that. I know you do say that. And I would say that, too. But when it's maybe someone in your family. When it happens somewhere that the favor, you, it comes from an unexpected place. It comes in places, and you have to realize, see, that's where if your hope is in your expectation, see, right there, we can put a hope and an expectation of what favor looks like. And then when that it doesn't plot exactly the way you think favor is supposed to look like in your life, then you're like, oh, because your hope has to be in who? Not in your expectations. Because your expectations are so often faulty. They are so faulty. And so Christ is coming to set his headship in his church. Now, the church, when I say church, I am speaking collectively, and it is a collective. But what is, what is the collective made up of? So we are individuals, right? And we're in there. Now see the question, then see what is then the, what's the directive for each one of us? It is to say, Christ, is your headship actually set in my life? Are there areas in your life, one of my favorite, well, it's not one of my favorite scriptures. One time we were at a sectional fellowship meeting and Mickey, our, our presbyter, he said, everybody share your favorite scripture. I'm telling you the very, your favorite scripture, Andrea, go. My I mean, like you asked me and he said, go. I said, flies in the ointment of the apothecary stem forth a stinking savor. So does a man who has a reputation and a little wisdom, a little folly. So is a man who's in reputation of wisdom, a little folly. Really? That's your favorite? But what did I just quote? Let me say it again. Flies. Songs of Solomon. Not Songs of Solomon. It's Ecclesiastes. I think 9 and 1, I think. Flies in the ointment of the apothecary. Sends forth a stinking savor. So does, so does a little folly in a man who has a reputation of wisdom and honor. 
It's not too deep. It just says if you do stupid stuff, when people think that you do smart stuff and you should do smart stuff and you're called to do smart stuff, you can ruin your anointing with your flies. So I'm, I'm just asking you guys, you're called to an anointing. This is where it gets real. See, you thought it was going to be all fun, right? This is where it gets real because without a personal application, there's no transformation. I mean, I'm going to personally apply this. See, this is my per. I am go. I commit to you. I'm personally applying scriptures, right? And you appreciate that, don't you? Do you want me up here teaching you things that I am unwilling to personally apply? But in the same way, I will never teach something that I don't have full expectation of you personally applying it. I just don't. It would be, it's, it's an unjust balance. You see what I'm saying? And the Bible says an unjust balance, here's another good quote for you, is an abomination to the Lord. So what a hearer, when a hearer comes into the church and they expect the minister to live to a higher standard than they do, they say my standard of measure is actually lower than your standard of measure. I don't expect the same things from me as I do you. Of course, but I, what I've just created is an unjust balance in my life where I expect higher things from you and I actually expect lower things from me. And see, this is talking about in trade. They would go to the markets and they had scales. And so a, a, um, a merchant would lay, you would weigh things against the counterbalance to see how much money. That's going to cost you however many. That's why I'm, in Britain they still call their money pounds. You know, it's a weight of measure. And so then they would have a counterbalance. Okay, those turnips are going to be this many, this much gold, this many ounces of gold or whatever, rubles or whatever it is, minas, whatever the currency is called. They would put it on the scales, and they would have their counterbalance. They would cheat by adjusting their counterbalance so that they could get more money from you to balance the scale and charge you more for the turnips than what they were worth or even what they quoted. They cheated you out of it. So when it says an unjust balance is an abomination to the Lord, it's saying you're cheating whenever you provide something on your scales, you've changed the balance. You're cheating by saying, I expect this from you, but not from me. You're cheating on your side of the scale to get more from another person than you're willing to give yourself. That's what, this is just a word. And so that's what I'm saying. Now back to our inspiring scripture of the day. about We're talking about anointing, right? On our head. How many want that anointing? I had you all all fired up for it until I started talking about flies in the ointment of the apothecary. <laughs> then you're like, I don't want that. She's mean. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, flies in the ointment of the apothecary. What's the apothecary? Let's just break it down. Okay, they're healers, apothecaries. They make medicine. So, so who, let's just break it down New Testament style, guys. All authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go and do. Cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. Freely you have received, freely give. Who's the apothecaries? That'd be you. You should be raising your hand now. Say, I am the apothecary. You see how that just worked? It's so easy to point fingers, but there's always those pointing back at you. You know, and so here we have, I'm looking at a group of apothecaries. 
And I want you so annoyed. I want your life. I want you to shine. I want you to glisten with the oil of the anointing. I want when you walk by people, your very fragrance has a reaction. That's, what, that's what's coming to the church. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Now, this is, this is people who are, see, this is not, no one's being conscripted. There's no draft going out. You know what this is? This is voluntary. I, it, well, he's looking for people who sign up for active duty. I'm saying, Lord, bring your horn of oil and pour it on my head. Just pour it. Keep it pour until it beautifies my countenance, till it saturates the very robes that I wear, where it actually puddles at my feet, where the tops of my feet and the bottoms of my feet are saturated in your anointing, that your word carries me into the future, that when I open my mouth, it's words of anointing. My eyes see through the anointing. I smell the very things of heaven. My ears hear your voice. My mouth speaks your words. I'm clothed in anointing. Wow. But what about those dang flies? See, everything in my life I use is just message. I do. I'm always listening for the word. He uses, he uses all kinds of stuff to speak to you. He's always speaking. People say, God never speaks to me. I say, you don't know how to listen. You need some oil in your ears. That's what my mother used to do. When I had an earache, you know what she did? Warm up olive oil. Some of you need to come down and I need to pour olive oil in your ears. Not really. I'm not going to do this weird. It's too weird for me. Sorry. Go do it at your house. There's a lot of things you can do. You You know, a lot of people will be weird in the altar. I want you to be weird at home. Be a little more normal in the altar because it's for, you know, there's, there's the straights are in the house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then, then get it through, you know, be weird at home. And then once it kind of comes through the weird gate, then you can kind of normalize it for human consumption, if y'all know what I'm talking about. You know? <laughs> it's not for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got some practice going on. You want to practice when there's not people present so much. That's it. And you open the door. Yeah. You start getting powerful, right? But then, but when you're prophesying, guys, who's the first partaker of the fruit? That's where I'm trying to get to today. This is for, okay, so let's get to the flies. Now, I went to my office the other day. Carol tells me, she's like, Andrea, I put a birthday present on your desk. She said, there are at least six horse flies in your office. What? I don't have any horses in my office. Why are there horse flies in my office? I've never, I've been here 10 years, there's never been one. Did you put horse flies in my office? You have horses? Did you bring horse flies in my office? Okay, no. No, so here we go. So I go in my office, I'm like, what in the world are all these? I'm like, you know, and they are. And mean. I'm in there. I'm in there, and I've got, my, I've got the Passion Translation, all these different books, you know, lined up on my shelves over there. And I'm on my desk, and I'm, you know, and I'm flying, and I'm killing horse flies. And I'm like, oh, take that, you devil. Take that, you devil. And I'm like slacking them all over the place, and they're going. And I was thinking about that. And then the scripture came to me. Flies in the, you know, the flies. What's the devil called? Beelzebub. What's that called? 
Well, well, maybe the flies themselves are not demonic, but in the Bible they do represent demonic spirits. You know, we don't look at a fly and go, you demon. You know, it's you, you know, we got to know how to be weird at home, be normal in public, right? <laughs> so, <clears throat> and so I'm like thinking, what in the world? I'm killing all these dadgum horse flies. And then I start thinking about that. I start thinking about flies and the Lord of the flies. And I start thinking about, yeah, that's the way. The devil is the Lord of the flies. How many of y'all like to, you like, I love to sit in a office with six horse flies. That's, I would never kill a poor little horse fly. No. You're killing them. Do you know why? This is what I believe. Okay, the devil is called the Lord of the flies. Do you know anything about flies? They're a nuisance and they eat poop and death. And they feed by decomposing you bite by bite. It's a good thing they're small. Well, I know, but if one giant one came and puked on you, you'd be gone. You know what I mean? They suck you back up. That's so disgusting, y'all. No wonder he's called. That's exactly his MO. He comes and he just vomits. His propaganda on us. Right? And it deteriorates us just a little. Distracts us, deteriorates us, and he feasts on his own filth on our lives. I'm telling you this about darkness. You can believe me or not, but you'd do well to believe me. Darkness has no ontological existence. What did I just say there? Darkness, tell me where darkness was born. It has no birth. It has one law. One law. It can only exist where there's no light. That's it. It has no wave. It has no mass. It has no energy. Darkness can only exist where it is permitted. That's it. And so when we come in here, And we are asking for an anointing. We are asking for anything in our apothecary jar right here. Yes. God, just illuminate every dark corner of my life. Get the flies out of my ointment because nobody, if I come to you, Yvonne, with my ointment to heal you. And I open up the salve, and you look in there, and there's dead flies all in. And I go, let me put a little bit of this on your wound. I'm good, I'm good. And this is where the church has been for years. Now, don't blame preachers, remember? This is, for, this is an us word. This is a me word. This is a you word. That the flies in the ointment of the of we apothecaries, apothecaries, has sent forth a stinking savor. Because the the tone and texture of our the anointing of our life. You know what they say? You know what they say, Belinda? They say what you say you don't possess. You don't live what you preach. Scales. And the word of the Lord is saying, now see, this is not a this is not a condemnation message. This is a come into the light message. This is the Lord is fixing to deal with the flies. 
Just like I dealt with those flies in my office, he's fixing to deal with some flies in his bride. And he is going to begin to pour oil on. And he is going to illuminate his bride. The, the Bible says she's going to be a spotless church, not having any blemish, no wrinkles, a, or rather a glorious church, not having, excuse me, spot or wrinkle or any such thing. If you're of the mind to have the flies removed from your life, you're in the right place at the right time. But you have to be willing, say, Lord, pour the oil, change my mind, change my vision, change my, my smell. I mean, you know what? Smell is a huge attraction. Repulsion or attraction, isn't it? When you smell something that stinks, how many of you are like... I love the smell of poop. No, you're like, well, how many of you do this? Like me, I hate a bad smell. I am so offended by any bad smell. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. We went into the town we went into the, the Saturday, and I was like, I walked in, and we pulled in town, and, I, and it's, there's a junkyard there, and it's called Stinky's Junkyard. It's over in Sherman. And it stunk so bad. I thought, has he prophesied stink here, or is he just using It's the water treatment plant. Oh, my gosh. I asked him when I got there. We were having breakfast. I, was a, I went to a men's fellowship, you know. I was like the only woman in the place. I said, what was that smell in your town? They said, oh, that's the water treatment plant. That's <laughs> that, I do. And so people, people can be repulsed just by a scent. That was something the Lord said over and over to me with the word, is that there's an anointing coming that when the robe swish, you know what I'm talking about, like the robe swish, and, and it would send out a fragrance. And that fragrance would be an attraction or a repulsion. And you've got to be okay with both. But here we sit today, and we're closing with this. I want to invite you to invite the Lord I'm not here to do this. I don't, I don't want to go swat your flies. I don't want to stalk you down on Facebook and see how you're living and how you're talking. I deleted Facebook because it annoyed me how people lived and how they talked. It did. So I deleted it. I was constantly being annoyed. I just couldn't stand it. And I wanted to respond. Lord's like, what are you doing? Just delete it. I'm going to quote it again. Who's my apothecaries in the house? Flies. Dead flies in the ointment of the apothecary. Send forth a stinking savor. So does. Here's your, here's your crux. So does a little folly. Bad actions, bad, just foolish actions. So does a little foolishness, bad words. You know, when someone hears you talk, it's a little folly. So does a little folly in the man who is in reputation of wisdom and honor. We cannot afford to have our ointment contaminated with the Lord of the Flies. 
Because we live in a day that we're fixing to be a bride without spot or wrinkle. And he's fixing to send his light and illuminate every dark crevice of our life. And the good thing about flies are they only live three days, guys. But they reproduce like boogers. So you get them out. Once you get them out, you can stop that crop. You can stop that crop. See, by the time you've killed that one, they've already laid 45 eggs. So you better be vigilant. Because the Lord is going to have a glorious church. Just prepare. There's, I just see an anointing just flowing. An anointing. And it doesn't stop. It's not like a little drop like we do. Because no one would come up there, I'm going to pour a 50-gallon drum of oil on you. Who wants it? People, yeah, I'm going to stay. <laughs> it would ruin the church, number one. We'd have oil slick up there. It'd be crazy. So we'll be weird at home. We'll be normal in church, right? Ish. Ish normal. So today, I release you in blessing to go, and I pray that your fragrance would be such that you would attract what you need to attract, and you would repel what you need to repel. Because Christ, our head, is seated in his church. Amen. So you're talking about the flies in the ointment. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Seriously, I was like, are you serious? Maybe, maybe, yeah. How it is perfectly in sync with our leadership development class. Yep. Like everything, always. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, come on, Jesus. That's right. He's always, he's always just wanting to talk to us, yeah. isn't he? People say, I never hear the Lord. I'm like, you never listen. <laughs>